Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. It is such a blessing to see all of you. I'm glad that you're here. If you're joining us online or on the app or on the podcast, thank you so much for joining us. And I would just like to invite all of us at this time, let's get out our Bibles or open a Bible app on your smartphone or smart device and open it to today we're going to be in the book of Colossians, the New Testament book of Colossians. We're going to be in chapter 1, and we're only going to look at today one verse, verse 27. And actually, we're not even going to really get into all of verse 27. We're actually just going to look at seven glorious words, but we'll get to that in a moment because I just want to say a few things. We are continuing in this series entitled Hidden. And what we've been doing is looking at the union that Christians have with Christ. The Bible teaches us that Christians are in Christ and Christ is in us. And now many of us, um, we don't really think maybe too much about this aspect of the Christian life. And sometimes we may not even properly understand it. And so that's what we've been doing is we're taking some time to kind of dig into it so that we will understand it better. Last week, we began by looking at the fact that Christians are hidden in Christ with God. And that's where we started. Today, we are going to build upon that. And we're going to look at something kind of interesting. We're going to look at hidden with mystery. Hidden with with mystery. Now, real quick, the word mystery, it's an odd word. It's an odd word. But the Apostle Paul uses that word on several occasions to describe and talk about the union that Christians have with Christ. Now, I don't know what you think about when you hear the word mystery. Like I said, it's it's an odd word. Now, here's for me. This is me. When I hear the word mystery, the first thing I think about is the cartoon Scooby-Doo. Anybody else think about? Exactly, Scooby-Doo. You got Scooby-Doo, you got the dog, you got the dog, he's got his buddies, and they go around, what, solving mysteries. They even got a van. The van was the mystery time machine or whatever, but they go around solving mysteries. But here's the deal. That is not the type of mystery the Apostle Paul is talking about when he's talking about this mystery of the union with Christ. So what I want to do before we get to our text, and in our text we're going to be looking at this word mystery, I want us to have a biblical understanding, a biblical theology of the word mystery. And once we have the biblical understanding of the word mystery, then I think we're going to be better equipped to understand what Paul means when he says mystery. So just real quick, we'll walk through this. Um, In the Bible, the word mystery, all mysteries, 
fall into three categories. There's three types of mysteries, really three types of categories. Anytime you see the word mystery in the Bible, it's going to be one of these three mysteries, all right? First mystery is a mystery only God knows, all right? That's one type of mystery in the Bible. As hard as it is for some of us to know or understand or believe, but God keeps secrets. There are things that God does not allow anyone to know at all. There's some things that only God knows, right? Now, I realize that there's many people in, in, in Christianity or whatever, they go around, they try to solve some of the mysteries that only God knows, but you can't do it. Here's a great example. Here's a great example of a mystery that only God knows and no one else knows. It is the return of Christ. Like, like, like God says, nobody going to know that. Like only God knows that. He plainly tells us nobody knows that. We got, a lot, we, got a lot of, we got a lot of people writing the little books on it, you know, doing all stuff, telling us about, you know, when Christ is going to return. But God said no one's going to know that. True story. This happened, this happened this week. I'm going to share this with you. Um, on Thursday, I wake up. I don't know what you do when you wake up, but shortly after I wake up, I usually look at my emails. I look at my emails, and one of my emails was from John the Apostle. Right? Not every day you get, you know, an email from John the Apostle. Now, it's really curious because my email service here at the church, it has a lot of different protections and filters on it. It's really difficult if you, to get junk mail. It really is. And so I was curious, how did John the Apostle get past all the security devices we have? And so I felt relatively secure. It's John the Apostle. I'm like, well, John the Apostle, what do, you, what do you want to tell me? So I open up the letter from John the Apostle, and John the Apostle knew when Christ was going to return. And that's what John the Apostle wanted to tell us. Real quick, I'm just going to share this with you. John said, September 19th. 2022, he even gives the time at 351. Now, he doesn't say Eastern Central. He doesn't say that. It's just 351. Then there's a link to click. I did not click it, all right? But nonetheless, that's what he said. But the deal is, that's a mystery that only God knows. Nobody knows that. Okay, so that's one type of mystery in the Bible. Only God knows that. There's a second type of mystery in the Bible. It's mysteries only certain people know, all right? There's some mysteries throughout all of history that only God knows, and there's some mysteries that God reveals to certain special people, all right? And you say, okay, 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 okay. Well, well, who are the certain special people throughout history that God reveals these mysteries to? Let me just share a few verses with you. This will help you understand. Psalm 25, 14 says, The secret of the Lord is with them that hear him. Proverbs 3, 32 says, His secret is with the righteous. So these special people are the righteous. Throughout history, these special people throughout history whom God has saved, who place their faith in God, the future faith in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, God has revealed some mysteries to them. All right, so you got those two categories. Mysteries only God knows. There's mysteries that God only reveals to certain people throughout history. And there's a third category for mysteries in the Bible. Mysteries only revealed in Christ. All right? Now, there are some secrets that God has hid from everyone in the past, but now he only reveals to believers, to all Christians, because these secrets, these mysteries were revealed in Christ. All right? So those are the three types of mysteries. All right? Only God knows some things. God's revealed 
a few things to some special people throughout history, and now many secrets, mysteries have been revealed in Christ, available to all believers, all right? That third category is the category that Paul talks about, that we're going to be looking at. When he says the union with Christ is a mystery, that's the mystery we're talking about, all right? Now, there's multiple places in the Bible where Paul says Paul says it's a mystery. One of the first places, I want us to see this, that Paul mentions this mystery is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. Let me just read this to you, and 32, all right? This is one of the first times you see this mystery, all right? Here's what he says. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Now, check this out. And the two shall or will become one flesh. you got two becoming one. Then he tacks this on to verse 32. Look, this mystery, what type of mystery? Category three, a mystery that was hidden in the past but now has been revealed in Jesus. This mystery is profound. Here he goes. And I'm saying that it refers to, he's revealing the mystery, to Christ and the church. All right? So God willed for Christ and the church to become one body. So he willed that in marriage that that pattern would be reflected, two to one, right? You get the union right there, all right? We could look at that all day. It's a beautiful verse. But there's a second passage, the one that I want us to concentrate on today, and that is in Colossians, Colossians 1.27. Because in this passage, Paul specifically tells us what the mystery is, this union, this union that Christians have with, with, with Christ. And so I want to read the passage. I'm going to start in verse 25, then get to our passage, all right, our, our verse. Here's what he says. Verse 25, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Verse 26, here we go. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, category three, but now revealed to his saints, that's believers. Here's our verse, verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles and the riches of the glory of this, there's this word, mystery, which is, now he's going to tell us the mystery. Here's the mystery. Here's the mystery that has been hidden in the past but has now been revealed to all Christians through Christ Jesus. Here it is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. We're specifically told what this mystery is. Seven beautiful, glorious words. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here's what I want to do. Well, here's what I wanted to do, and I did do, and now I'm going to share with you. I just looked at those seven words. If that is the totality of the mystery, seven words, then it is incumbent upon me and you to understand these seven words. Words. I want these seven words. I want this mystery to inform my life. I want to live in light of the mystery. And I believe, as I've read through this, there are five truths about the Christian life that we can see in these seven words. And I want to walk through them. Let's just let's understand this mystery. It's been revealed in Christ. First thing we see about the Christian life according to this seven words. The Christian life is the empowered life. It's the empowered life. Just the first, that's the first word. There's seven of them. I just want to look at that first word. Christ. Christ in you. 
Christian, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I say this all the time, quite often I say, Christ is all we need, we know this. But in chapter 1 of Colossians, before we get to this revelation, this mystery being told to us, Christ, the Apostle Paul paints one of the most beautiful pictures in all of Scripture about Christ Jesus. And so I want you to see this portrait. I want us to see this portrait of Christ, and it's going to inform us on this word of Christ in you. All right. First, in verse 15, Paul says that Jesus is the image of God. Here's how he says it. He, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Firstborn means he is supreme, all right? He wasn't created, but he is supreme over all creation. He is the firstborn over all creation. Jesus is the image of God. All right, he's the image of God. Thank you, Paul. Then Paul goes on to say, not only is he the image of God, he says he is the author of creation, verse 16 and 17. Check this out. This is getting a big picture of Jesus here, man. For by him, that's Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the author of creation. You were created by Christ. Not only is he the creator, he has always been the creator. He is, Jesus is sustaining creation. All things are held together because of him. If Jesus takes his hands off of creation, everything ceases. The only reason a blade of grass grows is because Jesus sustains it. The only reason you will be able to take another breath is because Jesus is allowing it to happen. That is Jesus. He's the image of God. He's the author of creation. In verse 18, it says he's the head of the church. Let me read this. And he, that's Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the, what, supremacy. Christian, we are the body, he is the head, and he is sovereign, all right? So he's over all creation, he is sovereign over the church, he is sovereign over this church, all right? Image of God, author of creation, head of the church, final thing he says in verse 19 and 20 is he is the savior of the world. Let me read this. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself, check it out, all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So not only did Christ create all things, but the only way things are reconciled, both men and the earth, is through the shed blood of Christ. He is the Savior of all creation. Now let's pause. Okay. That's how Paul describes Jesus prior to getting to our verse. That word Christ that I just look at, all right? That's, that's how he's described. And here's the deal. If you are anywhere near that Christ, the image of God, the author of creation, the head of the church, the savior of the world, if you're anywhere near him, it changes everything. But I'm telling you right now, you read in verse 27, we're not just near him. If you are a Christian, he is in 
you. Think about that, man. Think about that. The image of the invisible God in you. The author of all creation in you. The head of the church in you. The savior of the world in you. He dwells in you, Christian. He lives in you. It's hard. You don't let, don't let that go by. All right. First word, Christ. All right. And we see the Christian life, see empowered life. Let's get to the next verse, word. This word, in, I-N. We're going to see the Christian life is the transformed life. Um, it's interesting. I think oftentimes we have a tendency, I have a tendency to overlook small words. Um, we can argue about, you know, some of the complex things, you know, like, I don't know, so many theological words you throw out there. But we bypass these little words like in, I-N, Christ in. That's a special little word right there, and we don't need to let it pass us by. Um, in verse 26, he said, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints as to believers. Now, this is interesting. The people in the Old Testament did not get this. You see, there are things that you and I understand that Abraham Moses did not know, but it's been revealed in Christ, in, in, I in. Let's walk through the Old Testament real quick. I got to show this to you. Genesis 12 and 15, God says to Abraham, I am with you. Genesis 26, he says to Isaac, I am with you. Genesis 28, to Jacob, he says, I am with you. Genesis 39, I count it four times, the Lord said to Joseph, Joseph, I am with you. Exodus, he says to Moses, I will be with you. Joshua, he says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Gideon, you are going to go and fight the Midianites. I will be with you. David, he says, I'm with you. Solomon, he says, just as I was with David, I am with you. The prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah, he says this one. Don't fear. Why? Because I am with you. Over and over and over and over again, in the Old Testament, God says to his people, I am with you. You get to the New Testament, Jesus shows up on the scene. He dies in my place for my sin on the cross. I repent and call on him to save me. He saves me. And then you know what he says to me? I am in you. I am in you. That's the mystery, man. That is revolutionary, right? It's amazing. So Moses, all these guys, I'm with you. To the born-again believer today, I am in you. Don't let those little words pass you by, man. And the deal is, Jesus did not simply die to forgive you of your sins. He died so that he might live in you. And that transforms you. Church, listen, God, Jesus has no desire to simply improve you. He wants to transform you, right? And that's what he does. He is in you. The Christian life is nothing less, less than the outliving of the indwelling Christ in you. All right? So we see that. Christ in. We get the first two words, all right? The empowered life, 
the transformed life. <laughs> Let's get to that third word, you. We're going to see the Christian life is the exchanged life. The word you. Thought about that word a lot. Christ in you. It's an interesting word, you. You know, the deal is we all like you a lot. You meaning me, right? We like ourselves. We do. You. You know what the Bible says about you? The Bible says that you are a sinner. The Bible says you were born that way, but you also choose that way. Every single one of us, you, are a sinner to your core. It's not just that we sin. That's not our problem. The problem, in addition to that, is it's, 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 it's our nature. You, Christ in you, you, you're a sinner. You're bent towards yourself. You're bent towards the world. You're bent away from God. It's evident in all of our lives that we have a sinful nature. It's evident from time to, th- from time, to time someone will come up to me, call me, write me, I don't know, different ways. They'll come up to me and they'll say something like this. They'll say, you know, Pastor Travis, I'm basically a good person. And I'm like, whoa, time out. You're basically not. <laughs> you are not. The only way any of you would sit there and say that you're a good person is if you do not have an appropriate evaluation of who you are. And as much as we work and as hard as we work and in and of ourselves, our fundamental problem is at our core, you sin. But the good news is, here we go, Jesus in you. Jesus has exchanged his life for our life. The beauty is of what Christ did on the cross. The beauty is if you repent and you believe, what he takes your sin and he imputes, he gives, he exchanges his righteousness. He gives it to you. You in Christ. Christ in you. We're delivered. We're delivered from our sinful nature. He exchanges it for us. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live. Here we go. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Man, don't over... Don't overlook the exchanged life. So Abraham, Moses, they didn't get this. We're getting this, guys. Christ in you. Now, now if he's in us, that means he is living through us, which means that God is revealing himself to a dead and dying world through you and me. He dwells in us. We are to be a picture of of Christ, the exchanged life. Christ in you. Question, question is, is can the world see Christ through you? That's another message. Christ in you. we get got a few more words to look at. Next thing we're going to see is the Christian life is the secured life. I put these two words together. The article goes with the word actually, but... Um, The next two words, the hope. It's tremendous mystery being revealed to us, guys. Christ in you, the hope. That lets us know that we have a secured life. 
Eternal life is not a dream, it's not a wish, it's not a maybe, it's an absolute, it's a certainty. Glory awaits the believer. Now last week we talked about this, so I'm not going to spend much time in it. But last week we saw that when God saved me, God the Spirit, God lives, Christ Jesus in me, and that we are hidden in Christ with God. That was the picture that we had, and we're completely secure in that. It's not that I hold on to Christ It's that Christ holds on to me, or better yet, that Christ is in me. Let me tell you something real real quick, real quick, not in my notes, so I don't have time to go through this really deeply. I'll tell you what, when I was younger, I lost a lot of sleep thinking that perhaps I would lose my salvation as though I could hold on to it. Let me tell you something right now. If anyone could lose their salvation, you'd have done all. Lost it. Why? Because we're dirty dogs, man. Saved by grace. He is in us. I'll tell you this right now. If I could lose it, I would have done lost it. I said, okay, another message. It's secure. It's secure. It's secure. He's in you. Last two words. The Christian life is the complete life. Moses didn't know this. David didn't know this. Solomon didn't know this. Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. Colossians 3, 4 says this, One Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's our hope, man. That's our hope, man. That's our hope. One day our lowly bodies will be transformed to be like his glorious body. 1 John 3, 2 says, we shall be like him. Guys, that's the aim, that's the purpose, that's the goal. The Christian life is the day that everyone, the goal that the day when, when Christ returns or he takes us home, that our, this body will be glorified. No more struggle with sorrow or pain will be complete. No, here's the one that I've been thinking on lately. No more struggle with sin. No more, st- man. I'm sick of sin, man. I'm not sick of your sin. I'm sick of my sin. I'm sick of wrestling every single day with this body of flesh. There's a hope. That hope is Jesus. And one day, one day, one day, sin will be no more. Christ in you now means Christ in you forever. It's a mystery, man. Revealed to us in Christ. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory, of the glory of this mystery. Here it is. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Seven seven glorious words. It's the empowered life. It's the transformed life. It's the exchanged life. It's the secured life. And it is the complete life. Two final questions. First one. Is Christ in you? And if you're watching, is Christ in you? Is Christ in you? There's only one way Christ gets in you. You repent of your sins and you believe. If you've never done that, today, do it today. Repent and believe. Two, second question. You say Christ is in you. Let me ask you this question. Is Christ your life? 
Is it your life? Oh, I know, people. Oh, he's my Savior. He's my Savior. Okay, great. I'm glad he's your Savior. Is it your life? If he's not your life, I pray today before you leave that you would just recommit your life to him. You are my life. You're my goal. You're my aim. You're my trajectory. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history, and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and apart, so please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.